Jesus had told us this, that the sky and the earth won't last forever, but my word, my word will. You know, one day everything is going to come to complete annihilation. The Bible tells us that it's all going to be burned up in a consuming fire. But Jesus' words, the word of God, is going to continue for all of eternity. You know, in this book are the words of Jesus, who we call Christ, who we believe is to be God's only son. In this book, we are seeing God's story unfold before us, that he's worked all the way through history, all the thousands of years to redeem people like you and me by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross. You know, this book has been banned. This book has been burned. It's been criticized. Governments have tried to keep this book out of the hands of their people. It's been tried to be wiped off the face of the earth. The very famous atheist and French philosopher named Voltaire, who's long gone and dead now, he wrote a number of tracts trying to dissuade people into believing this to be the very word of God. And he had a statement that said, 100 years from today, the Bible will be long forgotten. Voltaire's forgotten, but this book is still remembered. As a matter of fact, Voltaire's house, which he used as a printing operation for his tracts to be sent all around the world to discredit the Bible, the French Bible Society used his house and bought it to house Bibles so that they could be distributed to the French people. It's a museum today to represent that God's word stands beyond man's word and man's authority. Voltaire's been forgotten, but God's word will never be forgotten. This is a powerful book. This book that I hold in my hand has the power to transform your life. Billions have testified that this book has made them better husbands and better spouses and better fathers and better mothers and better children. It's helped them to forgive old wounds. It's helped them to be reunited with a saving God who they were introduced to through this book. It's this book that's a very dangerous book because when this book is read, this book has the power to change your life. It has the power to change your values. It has the power to change the things that you've been pursuing and have you pursue something completely different. It gives you a brand new direction, the things that are found in this book. It gives you a greater sense of purpose, the readings that are found in this book. It gives you a greater understanding of the God that loves you, what's found in this book. King David had said about this book, that your word, God, is a lamp unto my feet and it lights my path. God, without your word, I can't make sense of where to go in this dark world. I'm just groping in the darkness. But because of your word that you've provided to me, I now have light in the midst of my darkness. Now, nearly every single person in this room sees the value in this book. But there is one problem. We don't always read this book. You know, part of the culture of this congregation is that we not only read this book, but here's the more important thing. We understand this book. We do our best to understand it. And I think there are a variety of reasons why we just simply don't crack open this book. While we leave it on the nightstand or on the coffee table or on the bookshelf, it's because they're, we're just simply afraid sometimes to open it because of the power that it has to change our life. I think sometimes we don't open this book because we just don't think about it. 
And today I want to challenge you to start to read your Bible, not just for the sake of reading it in quantity, how much can I read today, but for the quality, what can I understand about God today? What's he trying to reveal about me today? And here's where it starts. It starts in understanding God's word by simply reading God's word. That's where we start. Some of us just simply aren't reading God's Word. And I know the challenges that come along in reading God's Word. Sometimes it's time, it's busyness, and we just haven't set time alongside enough to, to read it. Others, other times it's because, uh, well, it's just because we get stuck and we can't figure it out. And we read a passage of Scripture and we almost go comatose while we're reading. Have you ever been there? And you read a chapter and you go, what in the world did I just read? I have no idea what I read. And so then you start back again, and then you think, I'll read it again. And you read it again, and you go, I still don't know, and my mind's going cloudy. Am I a fool, or just can I not understand this? Let me tell you what you need to do in those kinds of situations. Continue to wade in the waters. Fred Craddock says the reason why there's no more power within the pulpit is because preachers no longer wade within the Scriptures. What he's saying is, you've got to marinate in the scriptures. You've got to spend some time in the scriptures. And you're saying, but I don't understand that chapter. Spend some time in the chapter. Don't move on to the next one. Spend some time on that verse. Don't move to the next one until you begin to understand the verse. It's not about how much can I read today. It's about how much can I understand today. And I understand the big challenges with that. The big challenges come too when we don't, well, when we don't have the, the right, right translation to read sometimes. Now, this is not some kind of arrogant persuasion to get you into a Bible like the one I'm reading. This is not about NIV versus King James Version. Don't take that out of context. What this is about is finding a translation that you can read. Now, I know that some of you hold in your hand a Bible that maybe was given to you for a graduation present or a wedding or for some kind of special occasion. And I would bet to say more than likely, it's probably a King James Version of the Bible. If you're my age, you didn't grow up with the King James Version of the Bible, probably. And you don't understand the King's English from 1611. So why are we trying to read it? Find a modern interpretation for you. If you can't understand it, find a modern interpretation. Now, if you can understand it, and that's the custom of your tradition, and you've always read it, keep to it if that's what works for you. Let me give you some ideas what might work for you. If you're searching for a Bible, and you want to find one that's easier to understand than maybe the one that you have at home or with you right now. We use here all the time the New, Ameri- or the, the New International I'm not even sure what version we use. You get Matt's paraphrased version most of the time, and that is no version at all. It's the New International Version, and that is a a Bible that has a credible translation. It has a modern language to it. We also use, from time to time in quotations, the New Living Translation, which is fleshed out in a very modern language, both credible translations. We use a variety of other things. We also use the paraphrased version of the Bible. This is not a translation by Eugene Peterson called The Message. I read that every single day because it's like, The idiot's version. You know, here, you're an idiot. Read this. You can get it better. You can understand it. And I love that style because I don't always understand it. Friends, we're not going to understand everything in our Bible. We're not going to understand it all. One day I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to say, God, what in the world, what's the deal with predestination? I want to understand that, but I don't understand it totally. God, I want to understand what you're saying in the last part of the book of Daniel. If anybody can give me an understanding, a credible understanding of chapters 7 through 12 in Daniel without your crazy eschatology in it, I want to hear it. No one's been able to yet. 
So stay away from me today, okay? You're not going to give it to me. I'm going to have to wait for the Lord to give it to me. And until then, I'm just going to have to deal with it. I don't understand it all. So you're not going to understand everything that's in the Bible. Say it with me. I will not understand everything in this Bible. Good. We're in a good place. We're in a good place. But we can understand the basics. We can understand it's God's story to us. We can understand that there is credible evidence that supports the text that we read. And all I'm asking you to do today is find a good translation, something that you can hold in your hand and take with you to a place like this every single day. You can say, this is my Bible. This is the one I read. I'm familiar with this Bible, and I, I, I understand this. This is good to understand your Bible. Maybe you got a mobile device. Your iPad cell phone, smartphone, computer. You know, they have an app called YouVersion. Over a billion downloads of YouVersion. It's a digital content of the Bible. Every translation can be found there. It can even be found in different languages. And here's the best part. It can read it to you. You can listen to it. I'm not a great reader. I know some of you come up to me, you're like, I would love to get in the Bible. I just can't read the Bible very well. We all have commutes. We all have things we do along the day. We can easily just play that, Bluetooth it towards the radio, hook it up to one of those cables. I don't know what you want to do, but listen to God's word. And you're saying, but I don't have a lot of time. I'm not asking for a lot of time. God's not asking for a lot of time. He's asking that you understand what you're reading. And in that version, that Bible app, it can send you a daily scripture, just a daily scripture. And if you haven't been familiar with your Bible, if you haven't been reading your Bible, start with that daily scripture. Just start and say, God, I want to understand what this means today. I want to know what it means. Right here, this daily scripture that just popped up on my iPhone, I want to know what this means. And so I'm going to read it, and I'm going to understand it, and I'm going to just simply get into the Word today. You know, God's Word is for those who can and will listen, though. I think we can become oblivious, we can put up blinders, and we can say, God, I don't want to listen to you today. And I think that happens sometimes when we're in a lifestyle situation, a situation of sin. And we just say, God, I know what you're going to say, and I don't want to hear it. It's like going home on Thanksgiving, you know? I know what my parents are going to say about this, and I don't want to hear it. So I'm going to find out some other place that I have Thanksgiving. And so we just don't go. And sometimes we just don't crack open God's word because we know what God's going to say and it doesn't support our lifestyle. It becomes like a double-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. Don't you love that? It's not some dead book. It's not some old archaic manuscript here. It's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. I catch it like this. It's like a scalpel for a surgeon. It's tender enough to do the heart surgery on you, but it also has the wielding power of a sword in the warrior's hand it can lop off things that don't need to be in your life and do it rather rapidly and gruesomely. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, so it has the ability to change us spiritually. It has the, the ability to change how we do things physically. And it judges the thoughts. It changes our mentality and the attitude. You want an attitude adjustment? Of the heart. That's found in the Bible. Heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's going to affect it all. All found in the Bible. And it's this double-edged sword that when you get into God's word, it's going to change you. It's only going to be the surgeon's scalpel or it's going to be the warrior's sword. And I understand why we stay away from it sometimes. Because the warrior's sword is stinging. It hurts. Surgery takes time to recover. It's not comfortable when someone does surgery on you. And when the Bible begins to work within your life, there's going to be times when you recognize, I'm not right here. I'm wrong, actually. 
the thoughts that I've had, the words that I've been saying, the actions of my heart, the lifestyle I've been living is completely contrary to what God's Word wants for me. Dwight L. Moody, who some of you might be familiar with, a great evangelist who started some churches and colleges in Chicago nearly 100 plus years ago, said that the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And if you're willing to listen to what God has to say, I'm going to tell you, your life will prosper. If you're just going to listen to what God will have you take in for the day so you can just understand, maybe just a verse, your life will go better. There'll be benefits for you. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 2 through 6. Proverbs 2. There's a Bible in the chair rack in front of you, and the page number there is for that Bible. And if you don't have a Bible and you want one, you just take that Bible home, put your name in it, and that's your Bible today. It says, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. So this is what we're supposed to do. Turn to wisdom and start applying the understanding. It's not enough to read it. Our goal is to to understand it. It's not about how much we're reading in the day. It's about what we're understanding and taking in for the day. Verse 3 of chapter 2 of Proverbs. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. Notice these words. You're calling out for insight and you're crying out. Wow, that's, that's a really, that's a, really a, a, a term of anguish. I'm crying out for understanding. And, verse 4, if you look for it for silver or in search for it as for hidden treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Here's, here's what this text is trying to say to us. Let's understand it. That sometimes the word of God is going to be difficult to get to know. There's going to be times where you go, I don't get it. And it says, why don't you call out for wisdom? Why don't you cry out to God and say, God, would you help me and show me what you're trying to teach me in this verse or this chapter or this book? Just, just cry out. What's the last time you cried out to God and said, I don't get it? And your hand raised. God, over here. I don't, I don't understand this. And then it says, from the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth and from his mouth comes knowledge and it comes understanding. We search for it. When's the last time you searched for an answer for something that you've read like a man mines for gold or searches for a hidden treasure? When's the last time that you sought out a Bible teacher and said, I I don't understand what I'm reading. I'm going to give the church a phone call because maybe a pastor on staff has some biblical insight because I don't. Or maybe there's somebody that I can call or someone I can glean some knowledge from and I'm going to search this thing out. I'm not willing to sit here and just let it pass by. God's word is right here in front of me. He's spoken these words. I want to know what God's going to say. I want to understand this stuff. And so I'm going to search for understanding like a man searches for hidden treasure somewhere in a field. You know what I want the culture of this congregation to be? Not that, hey, we read three chapters a day. I want the culture of this congregation to be, we understand God's word, and it's written on our heart. It could be a verse, be a couple minutes of scripture reading, but what we've read, we've taken what God has said, and we've laid it on our hearts to be lived 
out. Friends, understanding is application of what we're reading. And the culture of this congregation needs to be that these 66 books that make up this bigger book called the Bible is God's inspired word to us. It's no less than that, but God's inspired word to us. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God. All of it is inspired by God and is useful to teach us in what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. <laughs> hey, God, what's true? Well, here's what's true. Hey, God, what's wrong with my life? Well, here's what's wrong with your life. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, I understand. I understand that the books that we are reading are, are old books. I understand that the books that we are reading were penned by man. And you might say, how can you be assured that these books that we're reading are truly inspired by God? Well, just like a court reporter takes in the proceedings of the trial and write down, writes down every single word meticulously so that later on it can go back to the records and find out what was said at that court case. So guys like Moses and Peter and Paul meticulously listened to what God was laying on their hearts and wrote down using their personality the words of God that were inspired to them. And this is the inspired word of God. So why should understanding God's word be a culture at Bethany Christian Church? Why should this be the culture of this place? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, because it guards against false teaching. When you understand God's word, it keeps you safe from false teaching. You know, when the early church was formed and there was the mother church, that was the first church, the church that was established on the day of Pentecost, a church of about 3,000 and plus and growing, they had the Old Testament scrolls, books like Genesis, books like Psalms, books like Song of Solomon, books like Malachi. They had those Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament yet. And so these Christian groups sprung up all around the world, little churches, but they didn't have a canonized book of the Bible. And so they took what they could get. There were some gospels floating around. Matthew's gospel was floating around. And so they would try to take Matthew's gospel and read it and understand it. They would take some of the words of Peter from some letters that Peter had written and some letters from what Paul had written. And they would circulate these letters around from church to church. But no one had really put the scriptures together and said, this is God's word yet. And so they were rudderless as a group with their teaching. And because of that, people recognized that there wasn't a consensus in the teaching. So false prophets got involved. People that had different ideas of what could be gained from the gospel of Jesus Christ to manipulate people. And they became these teachers that were wayward and were deliberately deceitful so that the teacher would be followed and not God. And if you get in the book of Acts chapter 17, you find out what takes place. That there's a group of Berean Christians and they are really concerned that maybe the Apostle Paul is one of these false guys. Now we know the Apostle Paul to be a straight shooter, man of God, but they didn't take him that way. Friends, don't let anybody just stand in the pulpit and say, just because Matt said, we're going to believe it sincerely. Back it up with the Bible. Use the Bible as a plumb line to make sure that what Matt said is accurate and true. Look at Acts chapter 17. Let's look at verse 10 and following. 
It says, as soon as it was night, so Paul is now getting ready to preach to a group of Bereans. That's the city where he's at. It says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of the Thessalonians. Uh, for they received the message with great encouragement and ex- examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Verse 12, as a result, many of them believed and did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. What did they do? What are they being commended for? They searched the scriptures. We're not just going to take Paul's word for it here. We're going to see if Paul's a false prophet or not. We're not going to take Matt's word for it. We're going to actually get into the scriptures to make sure Matt's not teaching some kind of false gospel. And they use the Bible as a straight edge to make sure that that what man was teaching was in line with what God had already said and inspired. Now, they weren't being critical of Paul. They weren't trying to point out Paul's faults within his sermon, but they weren't being ignorant either. They didn't want to be fooled. And so they checked Paul's words to the context of Scripture. That's what being in God's Word does. It helps us be guarded against false teaching. Don't think you're above that. And don't think that you're so wise that you can't be fooled. You know, it's usually those that think they're so wise that actually get fooled the first. I've seen well-meaning Christians follow after false teachings and unbiblical teachers you know, everything that has value is soon or later going to be counterfeited, right? Fool's gold, fake diamonds, counterfeit cash. King David had said that the word of God is more valuable than gold. Don't you think people are going to start counterfeiting the word of God and manipulating it and changing it for their own benefit? There's going to be false teachers that rise up. And Jesus warned us. He said, watch out. Watch out for these false prophets. They're going to come to you looking just like you. They're going to come looking like sheep. And they're going to act like they care about the kingdom. They're going to act like they're good Bible teachers, that they got their life squared away for the Lord. They've come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They're going to devour you. They're going to take over your possessions, take over your finances, take over your soul. They're going to lead you astray. That's why we need to be in the Bible. It guards against false teaching. Let me tell you what understanding our Bible does. It, it grounds us to the heart of God. It attaches us to God's heart. You know, so oftentimes we equate time spent in God's word as though we, the more time in it, the more spiritually mature we are. For instance, you could come to me and say, you know, Matt, I spend an hour a day in God's word. What I would try to decipher from that is, wow, you must be a really spiritual person. But that's wrong. The amount of time you spend in God's Word does not determine how spiritually a person you are. For example, Richard Dawkins is an outspoken atheist. You probably know of him and some of his outlandish attitude towards Christians. He's written a book like The God Delusion, which attempts to sway people from believing in God. He says, he says he reads the Bible nearly every single day and at times in mass quantity of time because he accepts this as not God's Word, but a literary masterpiece. But yet he's an outspoken atheist. He thinks anybody that believes in Christ or in these words is crazy. So he says, it's just a literary masterpiece and it's not God's word. Now, if I were to look at Richard Dawkins and say, wow, he spends a lot of time in God's word. He must be really spiritual. Wrong. He doesn't believe in God. He actually laughs at those that takes this book literally. So we can't think that the amount of time spent in this word 
is the very thing that gives us the standard of our maturity. What's important is understanding this word. You see, Dawkins doesn't understand a lick of this word. And if you understand at least one verse of this scripture, you've come further than Richard Dawkins has come in this. And our understanding is when we take in this word, listening and reading of this word and applying it to our lives to be lived out. To allow these words to just come right here on the heart and to actually live these things out. And that's why the Bible talks about this place that resides in the heart. Not this physical pumping here, but this, this spiritual thing that makes up our being to guard it and to protect it. As a matter of fact, the Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I mean, protect this thing. When I was a kid, my mom and dad were really protective of the shows that I watched. And I watched some really crummy shows, you know, some terrible shows that were on in the 70s. You know, like Three's Company. I was watching Three's Company. One man and two women all living together. And my parents were like, oh, man, you can't watch that kind of stuff. And I'm five years old going, why not? This is good stuff. Jack's funny. And no, there's, no, you can't watch this. Anytime they would see violence on the TV or anytime they find out that I was watching a show that had maybe some kind of sexual condentation to it, Matt, turn off the TV, stop watching the program, you're not going to watch that anymore. Now, I didn't understand as a kid what my parents were trying to do, but what they would often say is, Matt, you put garbage in, garbage is ultimately going to come out. In my immaturity as a kid, I didn't understand that, and I fought against it, and I thought I could rise up above some of that evil stuff or some of those bad things that I was taking in. But as an adult, I've learned it. I've learned the lesson. I can't. I can't rise up above that stuff. I can't rise up about, above music that's, that's been de- self-defeating. I can't rise up above movies that have uh, over-the-top sexual content or gross violence. I can't rise up amongst that stuff. And what goes in here finally is ultimately going to come out of here. And that's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught these words. He said, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Now, you might, in your immaturity of faith, say, Oh, come on, Jesus. I can still hang around those friends that get me into trouble and put me into places of temptation that I never thought I'd go back to. I can hang around them, but you know you can't. Because you find yourself slipping every time you're there back into sin. Or you think, you know, God... Maybe I, should, uh, maybe I shouldn't give this up. I mean, what's the big deal? It's just social drinking. It's not like I drink to get drunk anymore. No, you start to put those kind of thoughts and those kind of attitudes in that heart. And guess what? You're going to have one day where it's, well, you're just not going to be able to say no to that last drink. And I'll tell you what, the more that we have God's word written on our heart, the more it's going to ground us to the very heart of God. But the more bad stuff that we put in it and the darkness that we allow to infiltrate it well i think instinctively we're going to find ourselves doing wrong just like instinctively we'll find ourselves doing right when we put god's word on our heart here's the third thing when you understand god's word it guides you in a wayward world i can't say a better definition of the world than this this place is crazy I don't know a better definition to speak of this world and these times and these days than to say, this place is crazy. And you know what the problem is? I'm one of the nuts in it. And so are you. We make this place absolutely crazy. And it is a wayward world. There is darkness here, and we're going to need some light to find out where our foot should step in to make this place better for our lives. 
And you know what I found out? That this book has all the answers to all of my questions about how to live right in a very wrong world. Like, uh, how do I overcome addiction? It's found in this book. How do I forgive people of the harm that they've done to me and the abuses that they've put on my life? It's in this book. Questions like, should I give up social drinking? It's found in this book. Dealing with temptation? It's found how to overcome it in this book. Enduring painful experiences? It's found out how to overcome it in this book. Have a death in the family? Or tragedy has hit you? Let's find out where to find refuge and comfort and peace in this book. You want to develop holiness? It's found in this book. You want to prepare for God's return and for death? It's found in this book. And all of us have access to the Bible. This is God's word to us, and it tells us the standard for our lives. It tells us how to live right in a very corrupt culture. Personal Bible study is important. It gives us direction in this wayward world. A couple years ago when I was traveling up north and going to a church where I was supposed to speak at, it was one of those gray winter days that we have here at times. It was spitting rain, not cold enough to freeze, but just miserable, miserable driving conditions. And I was lost in northern Indiana, somewhere between Ohio and Decatur, somewhere in there. And I couldn't find out where to go. And so I go to this little town that I knew was up ahead because of a signpost. And I pull into the gas station. It looked like the only place open. It's about mid-morning. And I found out that this gas station was also like the general store of the town. Everybody was there, and it seemed like everybody was wearing bib overalls and must have had mud on their boots because the, the floor was covered in mud from these people walking in. There was a long line at the cashier. The seats were all worn down from where people had slid in and out, eating their donuts and drinking their coffee and just having their time of getting together and rallying together at the, that morning spot at that last chance gas station. All I wanted to do is have some directions on where to go to the, to the church I was trying to speak at. And I walk in, it was like an Old West movie. I walk in the door and the piano player stopped playing the piano and people all looked at me like, who's the new kid here, you know? And I just waited in line for my turn and got to the cashier and I asked the lady there, I said, hey, do you know how to get to this church? And she looked right at me. She said, you dummy, that's 20 miles away. I wasn't going to get any help from her, I guess, right? So I looked around like, what am I going to do? And there was this old man that had crawled out of his seat and he came over to me in his bib overalls. He said, you know, I can tell you how to get there. You just go on down the lane here. There's this kind of tree that we call it hangman's tree. You hang a left there. There's uh, old lady Smith's house. She has a, a porch that's sinking in and you hang a right there. Then you get to a T in the road. You don't take the T in the road. You take the Y in the road. And then I'm thinking, what do I do now? He said, I'll get you a napkin. I'll write it down for you. He started writing it down. He said, I'll tell you what, better yet. I'm going to be heading over there anyway. I've got a cousin that lives in that direction. You just stay on my bumper and I'll get you there. I was relieved. You know, when you find that your life is heading in the wrong direction, you don't want someone to say to you, you idiot, you're doing the wrong thing. You want someone to come alongside of you and say, you know what, I know how to get to where you're going, and I can lead you there. You are in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be here, but let me show you how to get there. And here's what the Bible is. The Bible is a mixture of truth and love. It's grace mixed in with correction. It's not, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing in life. You took the wrong why in the road when you should have taken the other direction. You're on the wrong path. It's, you made a mistake. Let me tell you how to get back on the right direction. And there's a gentle hand of correction when we read God's 
word. It guides us in this wayward world. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and, and He'll show you which path to take. Which path to take? Yeah. I mean, think about all the questions you have about life. God, should we move here and go follow the job promotion? Don't lean on your own understanding. Inquire of God. Lord, what, what should I do? What school should I go to? I mean, it's, everybody's getting ready and applying for college. What do I do? Do I even go to college? Well, don't lean on your own understanding. Go to God and go to His Word. He'll give you some deeper understanding. Let me tell you the kind of heart that's needed to understand God's Word. This, this comes from T. Norton Sterrett's book, How to Understand Your Bible. It's a great book. It's a little bit deeper than some of the stuff I read, but it's a good book, How to Understand Your Bible. He talks about the receptive heart that's needed in understanding the Bible. Here's the first one. A new heart is needed. A new heart is needed to understand your Bible. To understand it. Understanding means applying what you're reading. Applying what you're reading. Uh, a new heart starts with giving your life to the authority of God. God, you're in charge. We call that lordship. And also saying, Jesus, I recognize my sin and I need you as my savior. So there is Lord and Savior involved. A new heart starts by claiming God being Lord of your life and Jesus being the savior of your sins. We, we say then you're a follower of Jesus Christ and now you need to start following Jesus. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. We just said that the, the Word of God, the Bible, is the inspired Word of God. It comes from the Spirit of God. So the person without the Spirit cannot accept the things of God. I will say, a.k.a. the Bible, but consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Let me, let me just break this down for you. If you don't have God as the prime authority in your life, if he's not your Lord, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, the Bible's going to seem foolish to you. It's going to seem that way. You won't understand it the same way a Christian person understands it. You say, that's arrogant. I say, that's Bible. That's what it is. Here's the second heart. It's a hungry heart. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Be like newborn babies who are thirsty, newborn baby you give them a bottle they are going to drink that up right it's always so much fun to give a baby a bottle it's just not fun to do what happens next be like newborn babies who are thirsty for pure spiritual milk that will help you grow and be saved and what i love about god's word the the 66 books that form this bible god's inspired word is that it is milk for those that are maturing in christ and meat for those who are mature in christ it's both things. Isn't that great? It's not like there's volume 1, 101, and 201, and 301, and 401. It becomes all things to all people, which is an amazing attraction about this book. That it's meat and it is milk. And I think we need to become like little babes with this thing and start to crave it. I think some of us in here just need to start craving this book. You're a Christian, you're a believer, you have a new heart, you can understand it, and now it's just this craving. And when we have... a uh, when we start to digest this thing, it's going to feed our soul. Your day's going to start out probably much better than, than days before when you didn't start out with God's Word in your heart. Here's the third type of heart that needs to have to be receptive and understanding. An obedient heart. You see, the culture here is not just that we read God's Word. The culture here is that we read it and obey God's Word. Read 
obey. That's understanding. It affects our lifestyle. It transforms our speech. It changes our marriages. It affects how we are as students. It changes us. Get in with the word with me to Psalm 119. This is such an incredible chapter of scripture, Psalm 119 is, because I read it and I just think, I don't know if my heart will ever be developed in this way. I don't know if my heart will be developed in the way that King David's heart has been developed to love the Bible. Because one day I want to love this Bible, God's word, like like this guy talks about his love for Scripture. And Psalm 119 is the longest, I think, chapter in the Bible. And it's just this expression of, God, I love your law. You love the law? Seriously? God, I love your word. I can't wait to get in it. Day by day, it renews me every single morning. Psalm 119, let's look at verse uh, 98. Your commands are always with me. So I guess he has a little pocket Bible or something. Maybe he's got it on his phone. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. You know what he's saying? I'm not ignorant when it comes to your word. I spend time in it. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might, and here it is, obey your word. You know what obedience is? Obedience is your recognition that you understand what God has said to you. Obedience is showing that you love the Lord and you've placed His Word on your heart and you're now living it out just as you have read about. Here's the fourth heart, a disciplined heart. That's what's needed for understanding. I think a person with a disciplined heart is going to find, find it hard at times to, to read God's word, but a disciplined heart sticks with it. They're going to say, you know, I can't really decipher this. This is becoming an arduous task, but I think that I can stick with this. I can find somebody to help me understand this a little bit. I think a disciplined person fixes time in their schedule where they say, I've got break time at work. I should also have some kind of break time in my spiritual life. It doesn't need to be 15 minutes. It could be five minutes. But for some of you, it may need to be longer because you can endure it better. You know what the Bible says? Jesus talked about how we should be disciplined. He says, you need to ask and it'll be given. You need to seek and you'll find. You need to knock and the door will be open. But let me tell you something. It's tough to understand God's word when you are not often in it and you are inconsistently seeking and intermittently knocking. This is a continual thing. I'm going to knock every day. I'm going to seek every day. But when you're doing that intermittently, I can understand why the Bible's difficult for you to, under, to, to read when you don't have a discipline in your life to read it daily. And let me tell you something about discipline. Sometimes we get caught off guard when we miss a day of reading. And we say, I've blown it. Or you miss a week of reading. You say, I've really ruined it here. And it just, it just ruins you. You know what I say to that? Who cares? Get back into it. Pick up where you left off. Don't let Satan lead you to believe that just because you skipped a day, skipped a week, skipped a month, skipped 10 years, that you can't start today and get back into it where you left off. Here's the last heart, and that's a teachable heart. And this is so important when it comes to understanding the Bible. Pride is not going to work for you 
if you're trying to understand God's Word. Pride is going to be the very thing that's going to keep you from learning about God's Word and understanding it. It says, after Jesus had miraculously fed 5,000 people, you may recall that he started in with a teaching. He just had a feeding, now he has a teaching. There was a meal, and now it comes time for the message. And people wanted the meal, but they didn't want to hear the message. And the message got really deep. It got really super spiritual. And the people that were there in that crowd, they looked at Jesus and said, whoa, 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 Jesus, this is really hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? We need somebody, Jesus, to teach us what you're saying. They had the best Bible teacher right in front of them. And they say, well, we can't handle this kind of deep stuff. We're going to kind of bow out here, Jesus. They didn't have a teachable heart. You compare that with his disciples, his apostles. They saw Jesus praying, and after Jesus said his amen, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. We don't, we, don't under, we don't know. We don't know how to do it. And Jesus didn't say, oh, you don't know how to pray? No, Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they were taught because they had a teachable spirit. Or how about the Ethiopian that was in his travels and he was just resting along the side of the road and here comes the apostle Philip and the Ethiopian's reading the scriptures out loud. For some reason, he's reading the scriptures out loud and, and Philip says, do you know what you're reading? The man says, how can I know? How can I understand unless someone explains this to me? And Peter says, I'll, or Philip says, I'll explain it to you. And he does. And the Ethiopian says, I want Christ. They find some water. They're bapt- he's baptized into Christ. And he is a renewed spirit. He's a renewed man. You know what the teachable spirit says? The teachable heart says? It says, Lord, teach me. It says, explain it to me because I don't get it. Lord, I need some help here. And you know, this church is filled with wonderful Bible teachers, some of the best teachers this community has to offer that know the Bible and can help you and to expand your knowledge and your understanding of God's Word so that you can apply it to your life. Take advantage of some of our small groups. Take advantage of our Bible fellowship classes. Take advantage of these meetings that we have for uh, maybe women's Bible studies and other Bible studies that we have throughout the year. Take advantage of these things. Have a teachable heart about yourself because it's this book that is so important to our life. It's this book that is God's inspired word to us. Why neglect God's word to us? And this is not our story. This is God's story. This is about how he's worked all the way through history and gone through years and years and years to redeem people like you and me so that you and I could finally have a relationship with him that we've never had before. So you and I could have the forgiveness of sins. And let me tell you, as a man, as a man, This book has taught me how to be a better husband. It's taught me how to be a better father. It's taught me how to be a better minister. It's taught me how to be a better friend. It's taught me how to have an open heart to people that I don't understand so well. This book has taught me how to work my finances better. It's taught me that they aren't my possessions, they're God's possessions, and I'm just the manager of these things. This book has taught me how to be open-handed and generous. This book has taught me how to be more compassionate to people that I didn't used to care for. This book has taught me that God has gone a great distance to rescue a fool like me, to redeem my life in my stupid mistakes, in my prideful mentality. And what I found in this book was simple. All who comes to the Father, He'll never drive away. I'm not too stupid. I'm not too sinful. 
And so I came to Christ. And I found out when I came to Christ that he laid down his life for me. That there was a gift that God had given to me. It was his only son. And his only son was going to be given so that I could have eternal life with him. I read John chapter 3, verse 16. I didn't understand it all, but I, I took it in belief. And then I found that Jesus said, you believe in me and be baptized. And I followed through because I understood believing in him. I believe in Jesus. He's the son of God. Be baptized. What's that? And so I found Artie Van Galoof, a Bible teacher. And he said, here's what baptism it is. And he took me to Romans 8. He said, it's the washing of water and you're being lowered into this grave of water as the old mat and you're rising again as a new mat just as Christ was placed in the grave and suffered for our sins and then rose victoriously on the third day. You get to share in that mat. Thank you, Artie, for teaching me the scriptures because I didn't know nothing. I knew that God wouldn't push me away. I knew that Jesus could save my soul and I knew I needed to be baptized. And the understanding has gone from there. With faithful Bible teachers, listening to the scripture on radio, listening to the scripture through Bible teachers, listening to the scriptures being spoken over cassettes and CDs and smartphones and reading these scriptures and making them a discipline of my life. And that can start with you today. And the thing I want you to know about these these words that I hold here in my hand, is that they were written for you too. That that Christ who came, he died for you. And he wants to set you free from your sins. He wants to forgive you of your past mistakes, your present mistakes, and your future mistakes. And there's nothing that you have done so egregious, so sinful, where he would say to you, I want nothing to do with you. That's the words of Scripture. And if you want Jesus as your Savior today, and you want to find yourself in the presence of the Lord one day when all this is said and through, then I encourage you to come, to be baptized into Christ. If you're someone here today that wants someone to pray with, Evan will be right here by this cross. If you want to come forward and just pray for some things without anybody... Being on you, fine. That, you just pray if that's the custom of your tradition. Tom will be in the back here if you want to pray with somebody. But whatever God's laid on your heart to do today, let's follow through and be obedient to what he's speaking to us to do. Let's stand together and pray, would you? Father, I, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I just wonder. Uh, your word uh, your word is so grand and my word seems so feeble. And I pray that you and me were able to do something. I know you did. And I pray that your spirit will work within us, has challenged us, has convicted us. Father, that we will hold tight to your inspired word to us and we'll understand the importance of it and that it will become like gold and that we'll seek it out like treasure. I pray for the hearts in here that have not committed themselves to your son, Jesus, that have not called you Father, that you work on them and just show them how much you love them, how far you've gone to forgive them. May they walk out of here today knowing that they're redeemed and saved by you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, and we all say together, amen.